Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in all the way from halfway around the world from London. I think you all know that's in UK, you know, London. We got Rafaela. Rafaela, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we got a lot of stuff to go over and, uh, you know, it's your first time being on the show. Um, when did you get started in the, um, in the music industry? Did you start at a young age or did you start like, what? So start I, was, I was like one of those really annoying kids that basically never stopped singing. So I was like, I just remember like the first time it's like really cheesy, but the Sesame Street was like on and I was obsessed with this app was like, you know, the intro and I would just sing it everywhere. Um, so yeah, I just been singing for as long as I can remember. And then when I was like nine, I wrote my first song. I remember saying a homeless man for the first time. And I was like, it was the first time that I recognized that something was wrong as a child and I couldn't understand why everyone was just walking past him. So when I got home, like really cheesily, I wrote him a song and then prayed that it would reach him. So he felt, you know, loved and like that he wasn't on his own. So like that was the first time I felt like music was something that could transmit like emotion and thought. And then, yeah, I started like writing um, and I got a, like a Tascam four track recorder when I was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know those. I know there's, that unit. You know exactly the ones, right? So there's only like four channels. Mm -hmm. So I would be like writing. And in my head, I was like, okay, well, there needs to be a bass. There needs to be drums. There needs to be all these things, but there's like only four tracks. So we very quickly found out, realized four was never going to be enough for me. So I like came across this thing at school called Logic. And I was like, wow. It's like my mind was blown. <laughs> I was like, are you yeah. trying to tell me that you can basically put everything that's in your head down? And then you press play and it plays. I was mind blown. So I basically like begged my parents because obviously I was like 15. Um, please, can can you get this for me? Like, please. And they're like, we don't understand what this is. So I begged and begged. And then at Christmas, I remember they they got it for me. And I literally spent hours just go I taught everything myself. I just was like, what does this do? What does pan mean? What is this? Like, what is that? <laughs> I yeah. just spent literally like hours experimenting. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of how I got into, into music. And I fell in love with the production and like the idea of writing and singing, like the whole like shebang. And then I did a music degree. And yeah, then met my publisher in my last year of uni. And I've been signed since. Nice. It's funny yeah. you bring up that Tascam 4 track because... <laughs> My brothers were musicians when I was a kid growing up and yeah. and my dad kind of lavished a lot on them in the way of gear mm -hmm. and equipment. Um, and the Tascam four track recorder was one of the first things that they got. And a mm -hmm. trick that my brother found out how to do with it to get more than four tracks Did was, you yeah, you'd make, you'd, you'd bounce all four tracks one, then you'd play all four tracks through and put it on yeah. one channel and then you have three more tracks to play on. But then yeah. my dad got him an eight track machine <laughs> rack mounts, all this stuff, all this gear. Yeah. My brothers weren't really, I wouldn't say they weren't illiterate, but they weren't really technical orientated. Mm -hmm. So I'd be in the studio and I'd be reading all the manuals, which at yeah. that time, this is the eighties where things right. were translated from Japanese into English and they right. didn't translate very well. Right. So you're trying to read these instructions <laughs> on MIDI and all this stuff. And I'd get in the yeah. studio and they get kind of pissed, but then I'd show them like hit these buttons and they go, Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and so um setting yeah. the way forward clock to 2005 i actually went to work for apple and oh, cool. i became a certified trainer and all their pro products and that's mm -hmm. why i really got introduced to logic i never touched logic until because i wasn't a music guy i'm a video production guy right. so final cut pro yeah. motion dvd oh, studio yeah. pro yeah. all that stuff was my my forte but i got into training on logic so i could train people on how to use the software, not train them to be a music producer. And that's when I got into use the sequencer. Yeah. And I mean, I was Logic 7 at that time. And then I went to Logic 10. Yeah. Like, I Sorry. Cell phone ringing? <laughs> I have a ghost apparently because the TV is turning itself on. <laughs> you know, the craziest thing happened in my studio that they total side note, I'm sitting here doing some work and I have Netflix just in rotation. Yeah. On the background, yeah. just rotating through the slide. Yeah, did the sound and all of a sudden it goes, 
Dong. <laughs> like, what the hell? I didn't even touch a button. Is there a ghost that <laughs> hit the remote? I, I swear, it's creepy. It's a freaky yeah. anyway, Totally creepy. But now you've worked with a number of people. We'll talk about some of your previous collabs, mm -hmm. but we want to talk yep. about your new single, Hollow yeah. at Me. Tell us all about that. What is that? Why is that so important? So I was born in the 90s. And so, like, I grew up with, I basically was obsessed with like RB. Destiny's Child, TLC, you know, like literally everything, Omarion, like that for me is like the golden era of music. Well, one of the golden eras of music. So like No Scrubs has always been one of my favorite songs. I just think that the hook is undeniable. Like no matter what decade you're in, that melody is just like wild. And so I basically was like quite unusually I didn't sit down to write or produce for me that day. I was like, I knew I had a couple of sessions coming up in the week. So I kind of prepared some tracks because I was producing for them. And I was like, you know, I just want to be prepped. And I had like this bass line and like the, the piano line that I kind of uh, like came up with. And mm -hmm. just, I kept singing the hook over and over of No Scrubs. And I was like, it just feels right. And I was like, you know what? I think I won't take this into my session. <laughs> <laughs> keep this and I kind of had like I kind of wanted it to be like a really fun self-empowerment kind of um twist on the original so like you know you can holler at me if you want and I'm the one with the new car you can come like you can you can chill on my passenger side like if you want and I kind of just want to see like a cool fun twist on it so that's like the the story of it yeah now but this is a, this was an important project for you because this is one that you produced solo correct yeah yeah so I feel like the last few years I've been doing lots of collaborations which is amazing I feel like I, it's there's so much fun to do because you can you're not like you know stuck to one specific lane or genre and they've been like really really fun to do um and I've been collaborating with them and often most of them I've either co-produced or I've definitely vocal produced them mm -hmm. or been on the co-production side and I feel like, um, unfortunately, the world is changing and I'm very happy about it. But there is still, I think, a long way to go in terms of like, um, in terms of female producers being visually seen, visually heard and being taken seriously. So I, I, it's, it's funny because my name is next to credits as a producer. But when I'm going into to places, they're not understanding I'm a producer. So for me, I was like, I really want this to be I produce on my own all the time I was like this I want to literally have no other name but mine on the production credits so no one can think <laughs> that I've done a little tinkle of something um so yeah I think it for me particularly as a female in the dance genre was really important because it's very uh I, I we love our dudes love them very much <laughs> but I think it's quite a male dominated um kind of seen at the moment so I think it was like yeah it was quite important for me just to show that it's me mm -hmm. yeah. and if you could describe your music in three words how would you describe the sound how would you describe it oh okay well I'm I love words so three is gonna be hard but let me try <laughs> <laughs> okay synthy alternative uh, 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 <laughs> something alternative and I guess like uh well if, if there's a way to describe the fact that I'm Persian and British put together so hmm. Persish Persish yeah Persish yeah awesome no it's, I was reading your bio and that, that that you do in use those Persian sounds in the back end. This was one of the key things um, that you say you do. Now, in addition to that, you've worked with a number of artists over the years. Um, yeah. Tell us about some of those previous collabs and what one stands out to you the most? Um, I think that all really, really have been like really fun and great for different reasons. But I think probably one of them that I think for me in terms of like the dance Actually, there's two. I'm going to start with one. <laughs> in terms of like the dance kind of scene, and I felt like I was like, oh wow, I'm here, like by accident, in the best way possible, was my collaboration with MK and Sunny Federa. 
Um, and it was like such a such a like unexpected but fun collaboration. So me and Sonny, we've worked together on like a couple of different things before and um and, and Mark like came in and like just made it amazing. And I was like, wow, this is like something I never would have thought to have done. But it was a really cool collaboration to do and I think kind of set me I was like it kind of set me on the path to being in house music, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. house music. I love house music too. I do. I really do. I was like, oh, I didn't think I knew how much I loved it until I started writing it. Mm -hmm. it. So, um, you know, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was the same. And then I think the other one would be like my first ever drum and bass track that I did with Dimension. That was like the first ever drum and bass song that I'd ever actually been on. Um, and it was like, when you know, when you do something for the first time, you're like, oh, actually, that really works. I think there's something about my voice on drum and bass that I was like, oh, well, this is an interesting turn of events. And it was really, really fun. And I think I've like, from that specific collaboration that I did with Dimension, it's like kind of really grown my love for drum and bass mm -hmm. so much. So yeah. Nice. Now, producing music, dance music, stands like synonymous with spending countless hours behind a computer screen, sculpting the beats, putting it all together, collabing with other people, you know, mastering it, all that fun stuff. What do you do in your free time to stay fit? <laughs> um, that's, good. that's a good question, Darren. <laughs> I actually, do you know what? I, I go through phases of just being so, so hyper-focused on work. And like, for example, like Holler at Me, I probably produce that in one day but like literally like a 14 hour straight of like just work. Um, and so like I've, I've been self-enforcing working out in order to break that up and to give me just like a new kind of perspective. So I really, really love like ride classes, so spin. I love and I hate them. And so <laughs> while I'm doing them, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? This is terrible. And then afterwards I'm like, yes, and actually, like spin classes have been really, really good for, for dance as well, because you kind of get to know like so many new tracks and kind of, mm -hmm. and, and for, for DJing and stuff, you kind of get to know different edits of things and what like really makes you just, like, the thing I love about music is when it just hits you here and makes you either, either want to run, want to like fly, want to cry, want to just feel human, anything. And so for me, like the best kind of place to test that feeling is while you're spinning. Um, so that, and then I also love bar. So I used to dance when I was younger, I went mm -hmm. to like performing art school. And bar is like um, a sadistic reminder of my ballet days. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned finding new tracks and how you can like, how that helps you in your DJ career. How would you define success as a DJ slash producer? Is it, is it a B-port top 10 hit? a sold out tour. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's changed over time. I think when I first started out, it starts out in the industry, I was like, well, it needs to top 10, you know, like that for me was the pinnacle of success. And to some extent it probably still is, but I think along the way I've kind of, the things that have become important to me are actually like my peers rating stuff that I put out and texting me and being like, yo, this is sick. Like, oh my God, I love this. And for me, I think like, cause I, I'm so inspired by my friends and by the music that they make, by what they put out and stuff. And so to have kind of respect from my peers, I think probably actually means, means a lot. And also just hearing my stuff out, you know, you're just somewhere and then you just hear your song come on. There's, I, I don't think it will ever get old. And, so, and yeah. Speaking about hearing your music out and about, where's the most interesting or strangest place you've ever heard one of your tracks play? So, like, I didn't hear it played. It was my brother. Okay. <laughs> and actually, it's, it's not even that weird, but for me, it kind of is. If you know the context of, like, England. So my dad is Persian, and he has a Persian, car he's a Persian carpet expert and dealer. And he has, like, a couple of shops in Hampshire, which is kind of like, I don't know if you know where Hampshire is. Okay, I'll break it up. It's basically like, <laughs> it's South England and it's probably like the most leafy, you'll have like sheep for neighbors, 
basically. Okay. In in like in many places, and and like this one specific road, it's called Stockbridge Road, um, and it's like it's so lovely and it's really really quaint and and it's got such beautiful history and generally it's quite like a. If I say an old town, I don't mean that in a bad way, but the general age of the population is slightly older. And so, like, my brother was down there because um, he, he works in the family business and he was, like, you know, in one of the shops. And he just came out just to get some, like, some air. And a car drove past and it was blaring my song like you do with DOD. And he was like, this is so random. Of all the places, Stockbridge, that... And we'll be like blaring out like like you do like a like a dance record. So yeah, probably probably there. Were, were you getting radio play at that time, or do you think it was somebody maybe listening on Spotify well, I, or? We did get radio play, but this was like a couple of weeks ago. So this song oh, came okay. out last year. So it was definitely one in their Spotify library. <laughs> nice, nice. I listened, which was nice. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I was wondering. You mentioned um, your peers and and getting feedback from your peers. Um, are you planning to go to ADE this year? Not this year. Okay. But probably next year because I've got so much stuff coming with release and I'm like, <sighs> so yeah, I, I will be there in spirit. Awesome. Yeah, we, we, we're going again this year. Um, it's kind of a staple of our thing to do. We went for the, I went for the first time last year going to Europe for my first time last year. It was just oh, amazing. Man beautiful yeah. city but you mentioned peers and i don't know if you do a lot of connecting in person or because everything's gone online now you can produce tracks yeah. you can produce that with somebody halfway around the world yeah i mean have. it's been that way for probably a while now yeah. but no no but it, it's true and i feel like some of the ones that i some of the collabs i did um i had a track out with um frido um that i did with frido and amanike and we did that actually in the middle of lockdown and so mm -hmm. We did it online like we're just flying parts back and forth to each other and it was just super fun i think it like opens your opens your mind to a different possibility and a different style of working um i feel like both are amazing but i really do love being in the room with people mm -hmm. and and writing and producing like collaboratively together but it's great i mean like there's been so many tracks that i've done and i've never we've not even ever met i've like before i played Brixton Academy with MK for New Year, the fateful 2020 New Year's Eve party, where we were like, this is going to be the best year ever. And it really <laughs> didn't age well. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> We'd never met. We'd never met before. Oh, wow. So it's it's like really, I think the I think the internet and technology is, is, is absolutely incredible what you can do and how you can connect with people. Absolutely. And, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, we're we're doing it right now. So. Well, that was the whole thing. Is a, a lot of our stuff. I like doing in person interviews. Think about doing a lot of red carpet interviews, meet yeah. and greet with the celebrities or the artists backstage. Yeah. We have a mobile studio that we can pull up. It's a big glass box in the back mm -hmm. of a truck that yeah. we pop cool. up in front of the nightclubs and and do our interviews there. But you know, everyone thought I was crazy for doing this online live streaming show. They're like, who's going to want to watch a DJ online? <laughs> and I'm like. Well, we're doing, you know, it's taking a radio show and, and basically adding video element to it. Yeah, that's true. And if you see some of our first episodes and how technology has progressed over the years, I mean, I'm like, that's what our shows look like. And people thought they were good. <laughs> like, whoa. I mean, the because of quality, yeah. the bandwidth wasn't there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even, even like creating. I remember mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago before the Zoom, before Zoom completely blew up and, and yeah. like, like wildfire across the world i remember trying to like create like make beats over skype wow yeah that yeah that, wow. that was, i mean we, you still have a lag in zoom but at least you can share you can screen share yeah you've got like so many i i think the audio quality too we use audio movers well mm -hmm. like i so i i vocal produced the little mix album um like in lockdown confetti and we were doing it through through like audio movers and the quality was unbelievable. So that is a really amazing tool as well. So you're right, it's like completely changed. Well, I probably, I probably, unless you came to the States and unless you came to Seattle, Washington, I never would have had this interview with you. It's true. You know, and that opened up the world is like our, our stick when 2020 hit, you know, the pandy and I, everybody from the number <laughs> one, what? 
<laughs> the panty D. <laughs> uh, yeah, I call it panty of, yeah. <laughs> but the number one DJ in the world to a DJ who never thought, uh, somebody who never ever thought of DJing. Yeah. Everyone jumped online and started doing that music production online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But because nobody could go anywhere and they didn't know the technology, they did, it was just them. I called 2020 the look at me year when it comes mm -hmm. to the internet. Look at yeah. in every post on social media. I'm going live. I'm going live. I'm going live. <laughs> yeah. I'm going live. I'm, going live. I'm, I'm like sitting there going, okay, I think I need to reinvent my brand. I think I need to reinvent yeah. something and, and do something different. Um, we found a way to actually still do events here in the States because our, our state was on total lockdown because we do um, what's called silent discos. I'm, oh, I'm that's sure. so cool. Yeah, silent discos are fun. So we found a way that we could go out to a park. Mm -hmm. We could stream live from the park. I put a six-foot barrier around us because you'd have two people in a park put a six feet barrier around us. And then I'd slide the headsets across the table, six feet <laughs> to the person who could pick up the headsets. Then they could go social distance out in the park, but oh they God. could still have a collaborative music experience, social distancing so in the park. Cool. That is a great idea. Yeah. We, we tried to get it approved by the, the state, the city, the health department, yeah. everything, because we were considered an essential business that could be still, still be open right. because we're a okay. media service. And we did live streaming media services. So that was kind of interesting. It wasn't a loophole. Everyone thought we were kind of breaking the rules and breaking the I'm like, no, we're following every protocol you can down the line. So it was kind of really cool um, doing that. But then I started getting heavily more into doing the interviews online mm -hmm. with the DJs. And at one point we were sending out, this is um, 2022. Yeah. I started sending out, I was sending out like 40 emails a week. I had my, my virtual assistant send out 40 emails. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm hitting about six to eight interviews a month. And 2020, April 2022 comes around. I go, let's step that up to 300 emails a week and see what happens. Mm. And I think that was April. We started sending those emails. In May, I think I had 57 interviews. June, yeah. I had 49 interviews. <laughs> I was booking so many interviews out. It was so going crazy that um, I came back. And in August, I made a set schedule. I said, I'm doing two interviews a day. Monday through Wednesday, and then I added Thursday in there and kind of yeah. just set this pattern up. And uh, then that led up to ADE, and then I have kind of been on a break since then because <laughs> I moved and everything into a new place. And it's like, uh -huh. let me get the dust settled. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. but technology, you know, again, has made it so easy to collaborate. I can now talk to people in Japan. I can talk to mm -hmm. people in Buenos Aires. I can talk to people in London. I can talk to people in Germany. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I can talk to people in, in New York, and it just – you know, it's really awesome um, utilizing that. And again, changing it, we, we didn't change the format. We still focus on the music, mm. but it, we're really heavily on getting to know the artist and staying in contact with that artist and watching their career develop over time. It's really a, a fun thing. You know, is there something you'd like to say to new and up and coming producers to watch out for when it comes to making their career successful? Um, I think the most important thing is trusting yourself, like trusting your gut. Because for me, it took me a long time to do that. And I think um, for me, when you produce, it is such a, from your brain and your soul onto, into sound. There is, it, there's such an identity there that for me, like it's so easy to listen to, obviously you should learn and keep your brain open and, and, and listen to, to criticism <laughs> but I think particularly like you know as a young producer and for me with my personal experience as a young female producer I think I it's very easy people were always trying to tell me what I should sound like and try and do it for you <laughs> and actually the, the biggest thing that I learned was no one is going to create my sound better than I can because it's literally in my brain so why should you go through other means Mm -hmm. to other people to then get to what you actually what, what you're hearing in your head so I think really trust yourself and and don't be scared to experiment like I literally put the most random I put like a I, I'll put like a pedal that should not be put on on, on a profit synth but I will because I think it sounds really cool so you don't like be bogged down and think oh I shouldn't do this because that technically isn't correct obviously you need you know there's technicalities to make it sound like a mix sound good but i think the coolest stuff comes when you just literally experiment like put the most random stuff like i i literally open sound toys and i'm like hmm what can i do today <laughs> like, <laughs> like i it just follow your ears basically and, and and trust yourself and that's i think the most important thing i think for a producer is to have like your own distinct sound like i 
love artists and I love producers that when I listen to a piece of music, I'm like, I know that's them. From that, the second that you hear it, that that has, yeah, I think, and I think Fred again is doing that really well at the moment as well. He's sort of just like following his ears instead of what he thinks should be a certain select structure. Well, this should probably happen now, and oh, I don't think we could do that. That's not allowed. So I think that's yeah. Trust yourself and have fun and just experiment. Basically, you know, I've heard that before about creating your own sound. That's kind of has resonated over time um because if you do follow the trend oh house music is really hot right now and you're now you're a house yeah exactly. and then you kind of pigeonhole yourself as being that house person and maybe you want to do house but maybe try some drum and bass maybe try some trance you know yeah. and, and do that and don't necessarily follow the trends yeah. that are going um because by the time it's already a trend it's already kind it's of done. Exactly. And I feel like the coolest sounds come from, you can hear people's influences. You can hear what they've listened to. You can hear in their music. When when you hear something like really, really interesting, you're like, wow, that sounds different. It's because you can hear that they've listened to so many different things. They've immersed themselves in so many different worlds. And I think the coolest stuff comes from an amalgamation of all those experiences. So yeah, I, I agree. And you mentioned the word, you used the word influence there. Who yeah. has been your biggest influence when it comes to your career as an artist and why? Oh, that's really difficult. <laughs> 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 um, I think there have been a couple of people, to be honest with you. I think, um, like going really, really, really far back, Nina Simone, I think, is one of like my huge influences because I just think what her what she stood for as an artist is universal to genre. And I think what she, how brave she was as well to kind of be what she, you know, everything that she wrote and she stood for was basically like standing against everything that was currently, you know, injustice, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think her voice as well was so incredible, was so like resonant. Um, and, and as like a, as a, as a female, like that's amazing um so nina simone i think number would be like one and then i think i think fred again too i know that's probably like a very very like obvious 101 answer <laughs> but I, I i think i really uh, and i know that he's come from doing stuff like ed, writing for ed sheeran and producing for ed sheeran so i know he's like very commercial as well lots of people don't actually quite realize that maybe but I think the way he's been able to kind of come through and cut through like as an artist that sounds so different to what we've been used to is awesome. And um, James Blake as well. I absolutely adore James Blake. I realized we were in the same, we were at uni at the same time and I never knew. It was so sad. He was, he was like year three and I was year one. Um, and I think his, his writing, there's just so much soul and so much truth in it. I think that's the thing that really resonate, resonates with me when I listen to it because there's just no filter on what he feels. And I think the music that really, really connects the best is when you feel that there's that human experience that's being sent to you and you're like, wow, <laughs> I'm not alone. Like someone <clears throat> else feels this. So yeah, I think, um, and I think all those three artists actually, the one thing they have is truth. Mm -hmm. It's like the red thread. Yeah. Okay. Who's the most inspiring person you've ever met backstage? And oh. tell us why this person inspired you. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Okay. I think actually Martin Solvig. So I've, I, we recently had a track out together and I've got another one um, coming out on his album. And I say inspiring because he was, he's such a lovely person. And I feel like he has, not many, not many, when I say not many, it's, it's unfortunately <laughs> not super common. He, I think, has like a selflessness about him with really loving and protecting and kind of like really championing young artists and young producers and giving them sort of like a platform and not being threatened by it. And I think he has such a lovely, um, way of doing that so he we we met actually like back in november so i say backstage i say loose backstage a backstage in the way of a studio <laughs> um, <laughs> um and we were working with mark ralph and karamani like mark ralph actually did the final mix of holler at me and he is 
one of the most, Mark Ruff is one of the most incredible producers in the UK. Like I'd say 90% of hit songs that are out currently, he's had something to do with. And um, so we were in the studio together and me and Martin just like, we just like hit it off immediately. And he was like, come to Paris. We need to like write more. And so we went to Paris and like uh, my, my parents, like we're very Persian. So we go, we go often places together. So my parents like tagged along because they were like, oh, you're going to Paris for work, are you? Well, we'll come for a holiday. <laughs> so we all had like dinner together and um, yeah, and he was, he was so lovely. I played him my, I actually played him Holler at Me before anyone really heard it. And I was like nervous. I was like, oh, what do you think? Do you rate it? It's okay. And he was like, oh, it's great. And he was like really, really encouraging. And he was like, you know, if you want to collab on stuff like that, I, he was so, super like lovely and open. So I think, yeah, Martin, it's all big. <laughs> okay. You mentioned your family and taking them on a trip with you. <laughs> and you mentioned a little bit earlier on what your father does for a living and your brother actually works, it still works there. Mm -hmm. Do you come from a musical family or not necessarily traditional music? I mean, maybe not classically trained, but were they, did your parents have an influence on you? musically um or, or do you feel you kind of did your own you mentioned really early on you were singing yeah, yeah. song writing your first song yeah. sesame street nine years old uh, <laughs> or did you just you just ran with it or do you feel you came from a musical family that helped encourage that so i think it definitely was in me from the beginning i just remember like just having this like burning passion and, and just love of music all things music but i think i've i do come from a very creative family so on my mum's side, um, my grandparents are both artists. So um, they met at the Royal College of Art and a different kind, different medium of art, but still creative. And my granddad, he he was a stained glass artist and he'd like do stained glass artist art for churches. And he'd have this big, he had this big studio in a barn, which was basically part of the house. He was like, they had this like big farmhouse essentially. And so I remember like just, I, I actually, lived there for the first couple of years of my life and we'd always go back there for like you know for, for summers and stuff and just he would literally blast all types of records he was a vinyl collector and was obsessed and he was so meticulous and particular about his vinyls no one could touch them <laughs> no one could play with them <laughs> and he was he he was he absolutely loved records so he would put them on it was it was like them there was a reverence of respect around them that i grew up understanding and he would blast them through the house of all types of genres and he would whistle and sing and be playing and, and and be like you know creating art at the same time so i kind of like grew up around that very free-spirited and like very creatively open. And then my my great auntie on that side, on my mum's side, she was a concert violinist. And actually my great granddad, he was um, he was a pianist for silent movies, which was super cool. Um, and on my dad's side, I think often people think like, if you're from a Persian background, like the typical thing is you must be doctor, lawyer, engineer. <laughs> but my dad, he came to London, he came to England when he was like 17 and he got stuck in England because of the Iran-Iraq war and then the revolution that happened and he had like nothing so he like everything was cut off all the money all the communication so he basically built his entire business from literally nothing and he says like I remember there were like weeks where we'd have like biscuits for food because we had no money and so he has like he's created like a company completely from his own brain and so he always kind of instilled that in us like it doesn't matter what you do just go for it and if you love it and you are you know you work super super hard he was like I'm here to support it and he's really really musical he actually managed me for like from until two years ago and not many people know that I actually like the one thing I was so happy about was like I could give him so one night from uh, the, the track I did with Sunny Fadira and MK went silver in, in uh, the UK and my dad managed me he you know did that deal and everything and so I was so happy to be able to like give him his disc so he has a disc and it has his name and it's like super cool so he's he's got a really musical ear he didn't like grow up doing music but with all like he, he's obsessed with drum and bass 
he's obsessed with dance music and I, you know, like up until a couple of years, like years ago, I would always be creating music at home. So I had like a home studio. Um, I've got my own studio now, but my dad would always come and be like, okay, play me, what, what are you working on? And if I was ever stuck on a song, and still to this day, if I'm, he, he has his DNA in a lot of songs that people don't know. <laughs> like if ever I'm stuck on something, I'm like, oh, something's just not quite right. Can you listen to it? And he'll listen, he'll be like, yeah, like the snare needs to be louder. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, okay. Or like, there needs to be more verb. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I guess that answers my next question. Yeah. I always love it when this happens on the show. I was gonna ask, does your family enjoy listening to your music? <laughs> do you know what? They do. However, when the same four bars are looped over and over and over and over again, which we all know that's the only way to get stuff done. I mean, I just go into like hyper-focus. My mum has this thing, cause I still go, I still go home and like work sometimes there. Cause it's, it's I love, I love, I'm basically there all the time. She'll have, she'll do this thing where she'll just come in and she'll just like close the door. And they'll be like, cool, okay, well, <laughs> I've understood. <laughs> But you're kind of fed up of that four bar loop. I was like, but yeah, they do. They do really love it. And they like, they blast it every like weekend. We go off we, every Sunday. We have like a family day and we like sit in the car. And I think that's like one of the things that I, why I love music so much. My dad, kind of like my granddad treated the car stereo as like, almost like an altar. He's like, okay, this is like, and he was very kind of like only good music may pass these, these speakers. And so like he now like every, because I, I produce and I write so many songs in a week, I'll send him them. And then at the weekend, we'll have a listen to all the ones that I've done like that week and then like blast them. So yeah, they, they do really love listening. So, so, you, so you do, you do the car test with your song. Yes. Oh my God. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that's kind of a huge test getting out of the studio and seeing what it sounds like in the car. Really? Oh my God. You know. it's, so it's like, ah, oh, damn it. Sort of, up this up. <laughs> it's funny you bring up that Sunday listening or Sunday family thing because when I was growing up as a kid, it was mm. either we would clean the house on Sundays, but it was either classical music or mm. country music, country western music. Okay. And I grew up, I didn't necessarily appreciate country music as until I got older, and I was like, actually, that's a really great song because you know, I, I was more into hip hop and rap, and then I got into electronic music. Mm -hmm. Which you know, there's roots in classical music there, and yeah. in the sense yeah. of like, when it's down tempo ambient, mm. um, and obviously house music in the clubs and trance and techno and all that fun stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, I remember those Sundays was very key. And my dad would make a big breakfast for us. Like the big breakfast Aww. would be his fried potatoes. That's exactly what my dad does. Eggs, oh, the, yeah. the yeah. bacon, the sausage, the Italian, you know, the big Italian sausages, not the little breakfast sausages. Yeah. Um, we have the halal, halal sausage. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a thing to do on Sundays as well. Yeah. So definitely can relate to that. What has been the best piece of advice you've ever been given relating to the, the Relating to the industry. Relating to the industry. Oh. Hmm. I think actually one one that stuck with me that I think is very useful is when I was like 19, I had this music teacher um called Kevin Leo. And he was he he was really, really tough in the best way if that makes sense. You know, one of those like tough love teachers. Mm -hmm. And I need that. Like I, 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 re I respond well to that. So he was kind of like, he, he gave me this one piece of advice and he was like, ego will make you, but also break you. And as an artist, he was like, it's the one thing that will make you successful, but you need to let it not get in the way of learning and I think like for me that was like really important because I feel like as, as artists and as producers we all have like we feel like we want to get something out and we feel very very personally connected to it and sometimes that can like get in the way and blind it's important because you need to believe in yourself you need to have a slight I think all of us are slightly delusional that you know <laughs> we need that but <laughs> but I think like to always have that in the back of your head and I'm quite spiritual so I I really really love Rumi and Hafez and and Sufism to me is like really important 
And that actually is based along the whole idea of dissolving the ego and becoming at one with with God or whatever you want to call God, like the universe. And for me, like that, it's it's always treading that fine line of believing in yourself and being confident, but not over, but not cutting yourself off from learning and being open and being stubborn. And I think, like, I think no matter what part of your career you're in, I think that's always important. So whether you're starting out and you think I'm the best and you don't want to listen to anyone, important. If you're gain, if you're gaining success and you're like, damn, I'm hot important so it's enough it's, it's really important because there's other people also that are going to come and say oh no this is crap do this do that and you need to have some level of like no i am who i am but just yeah finding that fine line and i think he was the first person to to tell me in a way basically don't let your ego get in the way which mm -hmm. i thought was, yeah important Totally can relate to that. I have a, a, a little moniker that I have that's, I call it PMI or positive mental influence. Um, and I use that in, in my daily life and everywhere. And I actually had somebody a few years ago come to me and say, because I was uh, the way I post on Facebook, the way I post on socials, it's all positive stuff. It's all very like, this is really awesome. Having a great day. Da, da, da. And they came to me and they said, Darren, there's no way somebody can be that positive. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, um, maybe because you maybe because you have negative things going on, or you're doing negative yeah. things in your life, you may not believe that somebody can actually be like that. But yes, I, I can be, and and I have to, in a sense, be that way. Not egotistical, mm -hmm. not conceited, but confident, because yeah. you don't want to wake up in the morning and go, "Today I'm going to suck." Yeah, I'm my I'm my own coach. I'm my own boss. I'm my yeah. own run 100%. this network and. You know, yeah. if I was sitting here and doing an interview with you and I'm like, hi, Raphael, how you doing? I don't know if I really want to be. You, you <laughs> feel that energy yeah. and you'd be well, like, good, this guy sucks. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. I got to kind of pump myself up. And a saying that I use is it's from the old school 80s uh, WWF. It was Randy Macho Man Savage. Mm -hmm. And we always use that slap into a Slim Jim. You know, <laughs> it was that commercial that he'd do. And it's yeah. like, pump it up. Let's go, you know, or. Yeah. Um, no, you you have to. You have yeah, to like. I mean, to self motivate. I mean, it's, I got to get out of bed today. I got to do this interview. Yeah. I got to get back on the ball. I mean, I just revamped my whole schedule. I can look up here and wondering why I wasn't getting things done. Mm -hmm. And here go. Here's my daily task. Here's my weekly task. Here's my monthly yeah. tasks. Here's my one offs. Yeah. And getting back to those basics because I got kind of lazy with all the help I was getting. <laughs> I didn't want to do it because yeah. I, I was paying somebody else to do it. Like I have a guy doing my new, my website for my other company right now. And I'm like, I know how to do this stuff, but I'm like, I don't want to do it. So you I have to just, pay you, you to have, do it. You have to keep hungry. Yeah. Because otherwise, and that, yeah. Because what happens is if I started doing my own website, guess what? It takes me away from doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I start doing the, the sales, it's like, okay, now I'm spending 40 hours a week doing sales and I'm not focusing on the DJ sessions. Yeah. So something's going to suffer. And, and this project, I really I wouldn't say a project. This, this has turned into kind of a, what we started in, in 2022 was, um, I think even 2021, I was working with somebody from the UK, um, uh, Luke, uh, one of my guys, he was helping me do some PR and everything. And he was getting me write-ups in, in some of the top, publications mm -hmm. he was booking interviews with some of the top djs from around the yeah, world yeah. producers and that but i had to pay for that you know and i understand the value of paying for something to, to maybe open up those doors or have that rolodex open but it was nice having somebody do that um yeah for because you. <laughs> it let me focus on the other stuff yeah yeah you know and, and being able to focus it, 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 there's only so much bandwidth you can get and you can get burnt out really easy too and that's, I kind of get, I get that feeling sometimes because I do, I'm a producer, I'm a writer, I'm a vocal producer, and I'm a singer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, what can I do? <laughs> like, it's too much. <laughs> and, it, and, it's, and it's really, really great. Like I wouldn't change it at all. But I think like that's one of the reasons where like with Holler at Me, for example, I was like, I need to outsource this mix to Mark. Mm -hmm. Like it's got, it gets to the point where actually like also a level of distance is also important. Because otherwise, it's so easy just to kind of like, you know, get lost in in too, in too much detail. So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It, I think it's 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 good to be able to do everything, 
to know you can yeah <laughs> choose <laughs> what you think is is i've always whenever i've assigned a task to somebody i will never assign them a task if that i can. don't know how to do myself i agree you know, that way, if they have a question about it, be like, here's how you do it. Let's do the training yeah. video. Boom, boom, boom. You know, once you get this down, I can do this in two minutes. It may yeah. take you six to eight minutes to do it your first few times, but eventually you'll get it down to where you're doing it really fast. And that was where, you know, when I did those mm-hmm. first, I did 57 interviews. I did those 57 interviews over a period of 12 days, you know, and it was three days a week, just boom, 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 like almost back to back. I didn't have a life. I wouldn't eat lunch. Yeah, I had I was mental master, Darren. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot." <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot for 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 an independent show like what we do. We're not being we're not BBC One, you know. We're not MTV, mm. you know. We're not getting funded by Budweiser or Coke. We're not a Boiler Room or anything like that. Yeah, for yeah. an independent show to produce the amount of content that we produce, and somebody not get burnt out of a lot of shows, they'll do one show a week. And that show might be 20 to 30 minutes per week. And they might film a whole season over the course of, you know, two or three weeks. And then mm-hmm. they'll just release those shows as they come out. Yeah. It's like, this is constantly going. So yeah, staying positive is, I think, you know, one of the biggest things. Um, but watching that, putting that, keeping that ego in check, I think is, is definitely, you yeah. know, something that is, is I can see happening. And that happens a lot. In the DJ world, because you got to, yeah. I'm the best because you want to hire me because I'm going to, yeah, I mean. It's performance. You're with yeah, performance. It's performance. We're performing. Oh. Like, no one's going to want to watch you if you're like, oh. uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you have, you have to kind of believe in yourself. But it's like, mm-hmm. I, I think where the confidence come from, comes from is important. It's confidence Definitely. in your ability instead of confidence that, you, you know, an, an ego confidence. Well, it's not really confidence, it's just ego, but yeah. I like something you said earlier, we'll circle back to this, is that you said you really like it when your peers mm-hmm. compliment you on your music and things like that. Your peer yeah. group, I think, is also a huge influence, the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, yeah. when I tell people, they're like, how are you doing that? Why, why do you, yeah. what? Nobody does this. And it's that's mm-hmm. amazing. And that just is a huge, when I hear a peer say that to me, it's like, Really? Nobody does this? Well, I guess yeah, I do. Well, I, I kind of do it full time. So most people yeah. work a day job and they're doing it on the side as a hobby because they got to pay the bills. Well, this is like full time for me. Yeah. So um, speaking of running a business and all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. yes. what has been your best business decision in favor of your artist's career? Oh, uh, <laughs> this might be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of- this is uh, slightly controversial. I mean, say I, I would say up until now, because I'm not. I wouldn't rule it out at all. I think staying independent has probably been the best decision so far. That's not to say that I, you know, wouldn't not. But I, I think to stay independent and retain sort of my, you know, the power that I have and the choices that I can make um, when I want to put music out, how I want to do it. Um, and just in terms of, I think it's quite empowering as a female, I, I have my own label, I have my own business. Um, and this one I've, I put out with, with Talyard and Believe, Believe are great. And so are Talyard. <laughs> um, and I think to retain that independence for me has been quite, I think so far has been the best decision. Um, I think I'm, I, I have a, a grandmaster plan where I want to do a JV with a major. Um, so I think that is like probably the the way I think I would love to do it and then sign other artists as well, you know, and create like, create a really great community for particularly for, for females and sign female DJs, female producers um, and cultivate a community that I feel like is really, um, I think not only lacking, but I think is really needed. Cause I think there are a lot of females that are doing absolutely sick stuff. Like Jazzy is killing it. My friend Camden, Camden Cox, there are so many, and I'm definitely going to be missing loads of people by naming anyone. <laughs> but there's so many of us that are like absolutely like killing it, and really, yeah, I'd love to cultivate the new generation of doing that too. Mm-hmm. If if you could host an event of your own without yes. any limitations, name five things you would want to have at that event. Oh, without any limitations. Without any limitations. Is this a music event? 
Yeah, well, I guess any kind of event, but I would assume right, there would be music there. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be my event if there was no music. <laughs> yeah, there would be an absolutely massive Persian buffet. Okay. One. Well, I'm a foodie, so I, I love this event already. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. I think any of it would. Do you know what? I'm actually going to say this. This is this is completely like a dream event, right? And a dream scenario. A dream event without any limitations. Out any limitations. Okay, I'm going to say in my hometown Esfahan. I currently can't go back to you because I'm a female producer and a female artist and singer and it's illegal to be a female singer and so I don't know yeah we're, we're fighting for freedom and so I think when hopefully that happens and all of us like so many of us Persians who are like you know we're essentially in exile slash the diaspora um that would be so beautiful because currently music is illegal to be like you're it's illegal to dance like in the street so it would be an absolutely massive dance event in the middle of Esfahan with like loads and loads of sick sick food and then there would be oh I feel like there would be there's going to be like a lot of food involved in this (laughs) I was like a massive chocolate fondue fountain um and what else would there be I feel like all of the all of the most incredible artists living and uh, living and deceased dead because this is this is a dream event would be there would be would be invited and would be in attendance what's this number four is a number five is five round three you got you got two more left okay two left oh hmm I think, okay, the entire event would be sponsored by Gucci. <laughs> and everyone gets a free handbag, right? Everyone. No, That's not even. Goodie bag. I absolutely love their ready to wear so much. I'm, I'm a re- I really love fashion. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Sponsored by Gucci ready to wear. Sponsored by Gucci. Right in with some, some accessories. And then wait, one more. Uh, I feel like, oh, okay. And then I feel like there would be like a secret garden in this event. And in the secret garden, because I'm an absolute nerd, there would be like a really, really cool library. You know, one of those like really awesome ones that you can like sit with like lanterns and it would be at night and it would be like really cool and cozy. Yeah. So like a secret garden for lovers and <laughs> and for book lovers. <laughs> yeah. book lovers. It's a very random event. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you had me at food. So, you know, that that's you had me at food, food, food three times food there. Um, like I said, I, it's a lot of my posts on social media are pictures of food. Um, even my, one of my one of my assistants here in Seattle, he was like, Darren, I was going over revamping your Instagram account and you seem to have a lot of food pictures on your DJ sessions page. And I go, I know, because I, I put them on both, um, my, yeah. my personal and the DJ sessions. Because, um, yeah. It's, uh, and so he's like, well, that doesn't say anything towards music or artists. And I'm like, I know. That's why I'm going to stop posting food pics there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't help myself. I'm like, I, I'll just post it to my stories. You know, my, my mm-hmm. food goes there. But I'm, I'm a huge foodie too. <clears throat> so what would be, I know we just covered an event without any limitations and five things there. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to working on a project, mm-hmm. like if you were to work on a project or a collaboration, what would be your dream project to work on? Oh, I think, um, I think I wouldn't even want to say a specific thing cause I wouldn't want it to grow, but I can tell you what I would want the elements to be. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in um, orchestras. So like my first instrument actually was violin. So I'm technically like a string player. And I've always absolutely like adored string sections and like cinematic orchestras and they're just orchestras in, in hot, like as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like access to a string section would be incredible like in and I feel like one of my I, I really really love like um Max Richter 
is one of my like all-time favorite composers and I think something like I feel like Sampha and James Blake are really really cool like mixing worlds and I feel like it would be that kind of vibe so definitely access to an orchestra slash string section mm -hmm. two um I would want there to be so many analog synths here like any every single analog synth that you could possibly imagine like every single rare Korg every rare it's like rare synths would be there. So I, I love synths so much. I have like a Juno 106, I have Prophet 6. I'm actually an artist with sequential. And um, I have like just loads of cute little like um, you know, analog corks. And I have like just, yeah. So I just collect bits that I find and I'm like, oh, I'll add you to my collection. So yeah, like access to every single possible synth in the world. Um, and then also I reckon just like an open, like an open phone book of being like, hey, can you come down and come to the studio? So yeah, I, I think like that would be really, really cool. Uh, yeah. That sounds big. <laughs> yeah. I once had somebody say the way, when you want to find out how big somebody wants to grow, you ask them, what's your dream house? Mm. And if they describe your dream house, like they have big goals or they have, if they have small goals or they have big goals, so it's just big. Do, 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 do. And I felt that was on that same realm of yeah. big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. And What's, I think just create like an, uh, like a, sorry, like a project that no right. one's ever had before. You know, like I feel like there's every now and again, every couple of like, I guess every decade even, or even like, yeah, probably every decade, there's like a project, there's an album that comes out and it's a world unto itself. I feel like Mark Ponton did that, you know, with Amy Winehouse. And I feel like there's, every now and again, there's a project that comes out that is, you can literally hear that there's a universe within mm -hmm. like, in it. So yeah, that. What's the nicest thing a fan has ever said to you? Oh. Um, hmm. that I have really like um, inspired them and helped them through like dark times because I, I I mean I, I have suffered from mental health myself <laughs> um, and I feel like I, we're human we'd probably be lying all of us if we said we didn't um, and so I feel like one thing that I think always surprises me about putting out music is that um, it can resonate and can help people even when like so much of my music has come from places has come from a place of like of heartbreak or a really dark place in myself and it's a way of it's like a cathartic way of working through that and so when I hear that something that came from a dark place can help someone else it's like it's really it's still amazing to me so yeah I think that it's, it's like helped them through such a terrible time in their life that's like that for me it was like really it, it actually like brought tears to my eyes because I was like wow well it was created from a really dark place in my life so I'm so glad that that helped you too mm -hmm. awesome yeah. and how, how do you envision your life 10 years from now Ooh. where is Rafaela going to be 10 years from now oh well I've thought about <laughs> about this <laughs> um well I hope I really really hope I have such I think more than anything I don't I think, you know, when you first start out, you're like, oh, my God, I want to be super famous and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't. If it happens, great. I actually more just want to be really, really well respected. And, no, and I want to go down as one of the best producers, composers, artists in history. And so I would hope in 10 years time, I'm on my way to doing that. So whether that means kind of like, you know, winning a Grammy or two, um, <laughs> but that's not even that, you know, it's, I know that sounds like a, a silly thing, but I guess that's probably like a, a, a very like visual representation of that. But so yeah, I think just being really renowned in my field, um, both, both my peers and also the public, but mostly my peers, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, I absolutely, this is like non like music related, but I love properties. So I basically want to have like a property empire. And then also, <laughs> and basically like have, have, uh, have a label that is signing people and giving, you know, young girls an opportunity to get into the industry. So I think hopefully like in 10 years time, I truly think that's doable. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I remember one of the I, first, yeah, one of the first interview sessions I ever had um, was interviewing a, a friend of mine, acquaintance of mine here in Seattle, and it was at a Paul Oakenfold show. It was the first mm-hmm. time I ever had a celebrity guest on the show. But the interview wasn't. This didn't come out of the interview with Paul Oakenfold. But mm-hmm. I asked my friend Darren. I said, "Hey, Darren, is it? Are there any overnight successes, or, or does it happen overnight?" And he goes, "No, it, it's no. a long process. You go through this. There's trials and tribulations. There's hangups. There's bad business decisions. There's good business decisions. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's five mm-hmm. steps forward, two steps back. But you just keep going with it and pushing it forward. You know, right. and and you know, when I started the DJ sessions, it was this." It was this idea that started in my living room as a live streaming show. And I was just talking about it. And my friend Alex comes over one day and says, we're doing the DJ sessions. And I said, what? <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing it. And he sat down with a laptop in my behind me. I had two cameras. We're sitting at the computer and I'm watching this. and I'm listening to the show in these headsets. And the first hour goes by and I get up to go to the restroom or get a glass of something like that. I take the headsets off. I'm in my apartment. And I'm like, it's completely quiet in my apartment, like dead silent. But I felt like I was in a nightclub the whole time. <laughs> I was interacting with people yeah, on, yeah. online. I'm, yeah. We're talking with Alex on the microphone. We're just having fun. And the next week I moved the studio into my bedroom. Like it was a foot and a half away from my bed, this multi-cam yeah. studio. And nobody was doing multi-cam streaming at this yeah. time. I mean, it was just crazy. Well, the bandwidth wasn't there. So what grew into what I wanted it to be over time was to be a show that would be an international show that we have multiple representatives from different countries doing interviews at all times, going to the major festivals like ADE, Winter Music Conference, Sonar, all those major ones, um, Tomorrowland, and and capturing interviews there and doing press and meet. And that's slowly started to happen. Had pandemic not hit in 2020, we were still on that 2020 is going to be the year thing. And it was like, (laughs) no. Yeah. So, you know, it, it does take time and, and setting those goals. I always tell people when you start out, set your 30 day goal, set your 60 day goal, set your 90 day goal, set your six month goal, set your one year goal, set your two year goal, set your five year goal, set your 10 year goal. Those can change. But yeah. as long as you are envisioning where you want to get to, there's a manifestation, mm-hmm. you know, that, that comes into play or even manifesting and putting, putting the sticky notes on your mirror in the bathroom or all over the house. If you want that Ferrari, put that picture of the Ferrari up and see that Ferrari. If that's what you're, if you're into cars, I literally had like the, the year before I had my first UK plaque. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like I always do this every Christmas and every like New Year. I always sit down and I always write a list of everything, everything good that I managed to do or achieved mm-hmm. that year, and then I make another list of everything I want to be able to achieve the next year, and then I consciously pray for those things that I want. I am I envisage myself doing them and how I will do it. And then I just pray and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna work as hard as I possibly can. And whichever one of these lists on this list is good for me and is meant to be, bring it my way. And I just, I begin every year with that energy and I'm just like, go forth. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really helped, I think. I think it's, it's important to kind of like get yourself in that, and in that mindset and like visualize and my dad has always said he he always said this thing that's like you know if you if you set your goal at like let's say 100 even if you get to 60 that's better than if you'd set your goal at 30 and you got to 15 so as big as you set your goal even if you don't if you make half of it you it's it's that trajectory and it's also you know it's 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 the journey as well that matters. It's not mm-hmm. just there. And I think that's another thing that I've like really learned to just like enjoy life and enjoy the small things and enjoy like the little wins along the way. But yeah, I think the bigger you think, then the more room you have to sort of like get as far as you can. Absolutely. And my to-do list, I, I tell people all the time, I'd be nowhere if I didn't make my to-do lists. Oh my God. I am literally a sucker for lists. I will buy... I love stationery. I'm a very weird person. I think it's stationery since production. I'm very like, <laughs> I like kind of uh, concentrating and sort of like 
um, you know, we're like hone it, hyper focusing. And I, I literally, I'll just go around and if, if I see a stationery shop, I'll be like, well, let me buy another notepad for a list. Mm-hmm. I have so many lists. That I, I think like to-do lists are so important. I agree. I'm a sucker for lists. Absolutely. Well, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get to wrapping it up here. Uh, I have like three or three more questions. Sure. When you're not entertaining others, what do you do to entertain yourself? Oh, I read. Okay. I read a lot. Like, I love reading. I actually just bought, um, there's uh, one of my favorite books I've read, like in, in the last couple of years, is um, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. And so I literally picked up um, selected poems of Sylvia Plath today because I was like, poetry really, really inspires me. It just gets my brain thinking in a different way. And I think, like, to create music, it's another form of art. And so, I read, which is probably like a very geeky thing to say, but it's true. Um, and what else? I love fashion as well. So just even just people watching, like my studio is in Shoreditch in London. I don't know if you've been to Shoreditch before, um, but it's sort of like I've been told that New York is very like London. And I guess it's kind of like it's the hipster part of London. So okay. there's graffiti all over the walls. There's artwork everywhere. It's so inspiring. And I just literally take myself and my book and I'll sit in a coffee shop and I'll watch people go by. And it's really like, it's, it inspires, it like gets my creative juices flowing mm-hmm. for different reasons. So, yeah. one, of, one of the cool things last year when we stayed at, in Amsterdam, we literally had an Airbnb above Rodeo Drive. What I would call their Rodeo Drive, yeah. the Cartier, the Fossenaar, I mean, the, or the, the Gucci, every single one of those, Brew Bear, every single one of those stores was just a row, beautiful row. And we just get out and we'd go, let's go this direction. And we just walk. Yeah. And I love the stores. I mean, there were lines outside of the stores that they'd only let a few people in at a time because it was kind of like they knew they were tourists. And they probably mm-hmm. weren't necessarily mm-hmm. shopping. Um, but a lot of stores were like by appointment only. You know, and those oh, okay. are the higher end ones. I mean, it was the mm-hmm. high end, high end, high end. What you'd see in like Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. it was just amazing. Um, I, I'm used to. I used to work in fashion. Used to work for Nordstrom, selling men's sportswear. So I'd be dressing oh. and putting yeah. fashion together. I've always had a fashion sense of things. Not as a blade. I'm wearing t-shirt and sweatpants because I'm in the home <laughs> studio now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I love fashion. It's awesome. I mean, you're wrapping Mackie, so. Yeah. Well, they're one of our sponsors, so yeah. <laughs> Got to support the sponsors. <laughs> so uh, you, you will be sending us an exclusive mix, correct? I will be. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. We'll get that up on the site. You know, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you go? Um, I have a string of singles coming out, which I'm very excited about. uh, Yeah. So like holler at me is basically the beginning. Awesome. And where's the best place people can find out information about those singles, about the releases? I'd say my Instagram and my TikTok slash my page. And that's it right there. At Raphael music. Yes. Awesome. All socials. Cool. Well, Raphael, thank you. Raphael, thank you so much for coming (laughs) on the show today. It was a pleasure talking with you. We're definitely going to follow up with you in the near future. Um, send those singles my way when you get them. I, I'd love to, to, to uh, pump them out and get them out on our socials to our fans and everything as well. I will. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Rafaela. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Twitter or X now, Meta, not Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We're out there. The DJ Sessions, we're all over the place. But the best place to go for information, 600 news stories published a month, countless live interviews, and exclusive guest mixes are at thedjsessions.com. Again, this is Darren coming to you from the IT, whoa, the ITV Live Studios. I haven't said that for 14 years. From the virtual studios for the DJ Sessions, that's Rafaela coming in from London. And remember, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>